Hello and welcome to Weekly Dev Tips. I'm your host, Steve Smith, aka Ardallis. This is episode 24, where we'll consider how the repository pattern works with tools like Entity Framework. Don't forget, you can follow Weekly Dev Tips on Twitter as well as in your favorite podcast app. And if you're finding these tips to be helpful, please take a moment to leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you found this podcast. This episode is sponsored by DevIQ. DevIQ offers online training for software developers and designers covering topics like the science of great UI, .NET development, and my own course on ASP.NET Core. Check them out at deviq.com. This week, we'll answer the extremely common question about whether the repository pattern should be used with Entity Framework. This question appears very frequently in discussions about Entity Framework or EF Core, usually with someone saying, Well, you know, since EF already acts like a repository or a unit of work, why would you create your own repository pattern on top of it? Now, before we get to the answer to this question, let me point out that if you're interested in a repository pattern in general, I have a link to a very useful EF Core implementation in the show notes for this episode. This should help you get started or perhaps give you some ideas you can use with your existing implementation. Also, just a reminder that we talked about the pattern in episode 18, on query logic encapsulation, but otherwise I haven't spent a lot of time on the repository tips here yet. Okay, so on to this week's topic. Should you bother using the repository pattern when you're working with EF or EF Core, since these already act like a repository? If you search for this online, you're likely to discover an article discussing this topic that suggests the repository simply isn't useful. I have a link to it in the show notes. In setting the scene, the author discusses an app he inherited that had performance issues caused by lazy loading, which he says was needed because the application used the repository slash unit of work pattern. Before going further, let's point out two things. One, lazy loading in web applications is simply evil. Just don't do it except maybe for internal apps that have very few users and very small data sets. Read my article on why linked from the show notes. Second, no, you don't need lazy loading if you're using repository. You just need to know how to pass query and loading details into the repository so that Entity Framework can still perform these functions within that repository implementation. The author later goes on to say, one of the ideas behind repository is that you might replace EF Core with another database access library, but my view is it's a misconception because A, it's very hard to replace a database access library, and B, are you really going to do that? End quote. I agree that it's very hard to replace your data access library unless you put it behind a good abstraction. As to whether you're going to, that's a tougher one to predict. I have personally seen organizations change data access between raw ADO.net, using the enterprise application block, using typed data sets, using link to SQL, using tools like LLBL Gen or nHibernate, Entity Framework in its initial versions, and most recently Entity Framework Core. And I've probably forgotten a couple. Oh yeah, there's Dapper and other micro ORMs too. If you're using an abstraction layer, you can swap out these implementation details quickly and easily. You just write a new class that is essentially an adapter of your repository to that particular tool. If you're hard-coded to any one of these particular data access technologies, it's going to be a much bigger job. And so, yeah, you're less likely to do it, because there's a lot of pain involved. But that's kind of of your own making, because you chose not to abstract that detail away. Next, the author lists some of the bad parts of using repository. Let's go through them. First, sorting and filtering. 
because a particular implementation he found from 2013 only returned an IEnumerable and didn't provide a way to allow filtering and sorting to be done in the database. Thus, any type of sorting or ordering had to be done in memory after fetching the full dataset from the data source. Yes, poor implementations of a pattern can result in poor performance. Don't do that. Or at least, don't do that if performance is important. Next, he goes back to lazy loading. Ironically, at the time this article was published, EF Core, which is the subject of his article, didn't even support lazy loading, so this couldn't be a problem with it. Unfortunately, now it does as of version 2.1, but as I mentioned, you shouldn't use it in web apps anyway. It has nothing to do with repository, despite the author thinking they're linked somehow. His third perf-related issue is with updates, claiming that a repository around EF Core would require saving every property every time you perform a save on an entity, not just those properties that might have changed. This is also untrue. You can use EF Core's change tracking capabilities with and through a repository abstraction just fine. There's no issue here. His fourth and final bad part of repositories, when used with EF Core, is that they're simply too generic. You can write one generic repository and then use that or subtype from it. He notes that it should minimize the code you need to write, but in his experience, as things grow in complexity, you end up writing more and more code in the individual repository implementations. Having less code to write and maintain really is a good thing, though. The issue with complexity resulting in more and more code in repositories is a symptom of not using another pattern, the specification. In fact, the specification pattern addresses pretty much all of the issues described in his post that I haven't already debunked. The author knows about this pattern, which he describes as query objects, but doesn't see how they can be used together with repositories just as effectively as he chooses to use them instead of repositories. One last thing I want to point out that many folks, including the author of this article, misunderstand is the idea of being able to unit test code that works with data. This might just come down to the definition of a unit test, so I'll start with that. A unit test is a test that only tests your code at the unit level. That typically means a single method, or at most, a class, since to access a single method, you may need to create an instance of a class and thus also execute its constructor and static you know, initialization, things like that. If you have a test that tests more than one class working together, or that depends on code that isn't yours, like, for instance, an ORM tool, it's not a unit test. It's an integration test. The author goes on to suggest that since EFCore supports in-memory databases, you can use that for unit testing your application. You can't. You can use it for integration testing, which is great, but it's not unit testing. The distinction is important because clean code should be unit testable. If it isn't, it's a code smell suggesting that you may have too much coupling. You might be okay with that, but you should at least be aware of the issue so you can decide for yourself whether you're okay with it, rather than having a false sense of complacency because your integration tests work well enough for your needs. Would your team or application benefit from an application assessment highlighting potential problem areas, tight coupling, and other code smells? Contact me at rdallas.com and let's see how I can help. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening. There are a bunch of resources available on the show notes for this week if you want to read the author's full article so you get the context of what I'm rebutting. That's it, and I'll see you next week on weeklydevtips.com.